0: Hi, this is Auntie Rachel, and I'm so excited that it's December, and we get to read some of our favorite Christmas stories. In this episode, Aunt Becca will read The Last Straw, which is a story Grandma Susan would read to us every year, and a tradition that we did in our own family, and then I will be reading one of my favorite holiday stories.
1: The Last Straw Written by Paula Polongi McDonald. Illustrated by Carol Pettit Harding. Give me that! It's mine! It's not fat, so I had it first! Mom sighed. It was another long winter afternoon with everyone stuck in the house, and the four little McDonalds were at it again, bickering, teasing, and fighting over their toys. Lately, the lively little bunch had been particularly horrible to each other, especially Eric and Kelly, who were just a year apart. The two of them in particular seemed determined to spend the whole winter making each other miserable. With Christmas less than a month away, the McDonald house seemed sadly lacking in Christmas spirit. This was supposed to be the season of sharing and love, of warm feelings and happy hearts. But where were those warm feelings and happy hearts? A home needed more than just pretty packages or twinkling lights on the tree to fill with the Christmas spirit how could a mother convince her children that being kind to each other was the most important way to get ready for Christmas? Ma had only one idea. She gathered her four little rascals together and sat them down on the stairs, smallest to tallest. Mike, Randy, Kelly, and Eric. How would you guys like to start a new Christmas project this year, she asked. It's like a game, but it could only be played by people who can keep a secret. Can everyone here do that? I can, shouted Eric, wildly waving his arm in the air. "'I can keep a secret better than he can,' yelled Kelly, "'jumping up and waving her arms in the air, too. "'I can do it,' chimed in Randy. "'She wasn't quite sure what was happening, "'but she knew she didn't want to be left out. "'Me too, me too, me too,' squealed little Mike, "'bouncing up and down. "'Wonderful,' exclaimed Mom. "'Here's how the game works. "'This year we're going to surprise baby Jesus "'when he comes on Christmas Eve "'by making him the softest bed in the world. "'We're going to build a little crib for him "'to sleep in right here in our house "'and fill it with straw to make it comfortable.' The straw we put in the manger will measure all the kind things we can do between now and Christmas. But here's the secret part. We can't let anyone else see us doing the good deeds. But who will we do the kind things for, asked Eric. We'll do them for each other, Mom explained. Each week between now and Christmas, we'll put all of our names in this hat. Mine and Daddy's too. Then we'll draw a name each day, and for a whole week we'll do kind things for that person. But here's the hard part. We can't tell anyone whose name we draw. "'Like being a spy!' squealed Randy. "'I can do that! I'm a good spy!' Mom smiled. "'Each week we'll try to do as many favors for our special person as we can without getting caught. "'And for every secret good thing we do, we'll put another straw on the crib. "'Then on Christmas Eve we'll put baby Jesus in his little bed, "'and he'll sleep that night on a bed made of love. "'I think he'd like that, don't you?' "'The children all nodded. "'Now who will build the little crib for us?' Mom asked. "'Eric was the oldest, and the only one allowed to use tools, "'so he marched off to the basement.' There were banging noises and sawing noises, and for a long time there were no noises at all. But finally Eric climbed back up the stairs with a proud smile. The best crib in the world, he grinned, and I did it all myself. For once everyone agreed, the little manger was the best crib in the world, even though one leg was an inch too short and the crib rocked a bit. But it had been built with love, and about a hundred bent nails, so it would certainly last a long time. Now we need straw, said Mom, and together they tumbled out of the car to go looking for some. "'Surprisingly, no one fought over who sat next to the windows that day "'as they drove around searching for a grassy field. "'At last they spotted a small, empty lot "'that had been covered with the tall grass in the summer. "'Now the dried yellow stalks looked just like real straw.' "'Mom stopped the car, and even though it was a bitter cold day, "'the kids scrambled out to pick handfuls of tall grass. "'That's enough,' Mom finally laughed "'when the cardboard box in the trunk was almost overflowing. "'Remember, it's only a small crib.' "'So home they went to spread their straw carefully on a tray "'mom had put on the kitchen table.' The empty manger was placed gently on top, and no one could even notice that it had one short leg. When can we pick names? When can we pick? shouted the children, their faces still rosy from the cold. As soon as Daddy comes back from Grandpa's house, Mom answered. At the supper supper table that night, the six names were written on the separate pieces of paper, folded and tossed around in an old baseball hat. Then the drawing began. Kelly picked first and immediately started to giggle. Randy reached into the hat next, trying hard to look like a secret spy. Daddy glanced at his scrap of paper and smiled quietly behind his hand. Mom picked out a name, but her face never gave away a clue. Next, little Mike reached into the hat, but since he couldn't read yet, Daddy had to whisper the name in his ear. Mike then quickly ate his little scrap of paper so no one would ever find out who his secret person was. Eric was the last to choose, and he, as he unfolded his piece of paper, a frown crossed his face. But he stuffed the name into his pocket and said nothing. The family was ready to begin. The next week was filled with surprises. It seemed the McDonald house was suddenly had suddenly been invaded by an army of invisible elves, and good things were happening everywhere. Kelly would walk into her room at bedtime and find her little blue nightgown neatly laid out and her bed turned down. Someone cleaned up the sawdust under Daddy's workbench without being asked. The jelly blobs magically disappeared from the kitchen counter after lunch one day while Mom was getting the mail. And every morning while Eric was brushing his teeth, someone crept quietly into his room and made his bed. It wasn't made perfectly, but it was made. That particular little elf must have had very short arms because he couldn't seem to reach all the way to the middle. Where are my shoes? asked Daddy one morning. No one seemed to know, but before he left for work, they were back in the closet all shined up. Mom noticed other changes that week, too. The children weren't teasing or fighting as much. Even Eric and Kelly seemed to be getting along better. In fact, every now and then, each of the children could be seen giggling and smiling secret smiles. And slowly, one by one, pieces of straw began to appear in the little crib. At first, there were just a few, but then a few more appeared each day. By the end of the first week, there was actually a little pile in the crib. Now, mind you, no one ever saw the straws go in. But later, the children would be, could be seen patting and testing the tiny pile for softness. By Sunday, everyone was anxious to pick new names again, and this time there were more laughter and merriment during the picking process than there had been the first time, except for Eric. Once again, he unfolded his slip of paper, looked at it, and stuffed it in his pocket without a word. Mom noticed, as moms always do, but said nothing. The second week brought more amazing events, and the little pile of straw grew higher and softer. Everyone seemed to be watching and checking it carefully each day. With only two weeks left until Christmas, the children wondered if their homemade bed would be comfortable enough for baby Jesus. There's one more thing we need to do to be ready for Christmas Eve, Mom announced on the third Sunday night after they had all picked new names. We need to find a baby Jesus for our manger. What can we use? Maybe we can use one of our toys, suggested Randy. The children ran off to gather up their favorite dolls and stuffed animals. When they had them all lined up on the couch, only an old baby doll, which had been loved almost to pieces, looked like a possibility for their baby Jesus. Wisps of blonde hair stuck out all over the head, making her look a little lost and forlorn, but her eyes were still bright blue and she still smiled, even though her face was slightly smudged from the touch of so many chubby little fingers. I think she's perfect, said mom. When baby Jesus was born, he probably didn't have much hair either, and I'll bet he would like to be represented by a doll who had so many hugs. So it was decided, and the children began to make a new outfit for their baby Jesus. A little leather vest out of scraps and a diaper out of the dish towel, because no one, none of them really knew what swaddling clothes were and suppo- supposed to look like. But baby Jesus looks just fine in his new clothes, and best of all, he fit perfectly into the little crib. Since it wasn't Christmas yet, the doll was laid carefully on a shelf in the hall, closer, in the hall closet to wait for Christmas Eve and a softer bed. Meanwhile, the pile of straw grew and grew. Every day brought new and different surprises as the secret elves stepped up their activity. There was more laughter, less teasing, and hardly any meanness around the house. The McDonald's home was finally filled with Christmas spirit. Only Eric was unusually quiet, and sometimes Mom would catch him looking a little sad and unhappy. But the straw in the manger continued to pile up. At last, it was almost Christmas. The final Sunday night of name-picking was the night before Christmas Eve. As the family sat around the table, Mom said, You've all done a wonderful job. There must be hundreds of straws in our manger, maybe a thousand. You should be so pleased with the bed you've made. But remember, there's still one whole day left. We all have time to do a little more to make the bed even softer before tomorrow night. Let's do our best. The children smiled as they looked at the fluffy pile of straw. No one needed to test it anymore. They all knew it was comfortable and soft. But maybe they could still make it a little deeper, a little softer. They were going to try. For the last time, the hat was passed around the table. Little Mike picked out a name. Daddy whispered it to him. Then Mike quickly ate the paper, just as he had done every week. Randy unfolded hers carefully under the table, peeked at it, and then hunched up her little shoulder, smiling. Kelly reached into the hat and giggled happily when she saw the name. Mommy mommy and Daddy each took their turns, too, and then Daddy handed the hat with the last name to Eric. But as Eric unfolded the small scrap of paper and read it, his face pinched up, and without a word, he stood and ran from the room everyone jumped up from the table but mom stopped them no stay where you are she said let me talk to him alone first just as she reached the top of the stairs eric's door banged open he had a small suitcase in one hand and was trying to pull his coat on with the other i have to leave he mumbled quietly through his tears if i don't i'll spoil christmas for everyone but why and where are you going asked mom i can sleep in my snow fort for a couple days i'll come home right after christmas i promise Mom started to say something about freezing and snow and no mittens or boots, but Daddy, who was now standing just behind her, put his hand on her arm and shook his head. The front door closed, and together they watched from the window as the little figure with the sadly slumped shoulders and no hat trudged across the street and sat down on a snowbank near the corner. It was very dark outside and cold, and a few snow flurries drifted down on the small boy in his suitcase. But he'll freeze, said Mom. Give him a few minutes alone, Dad, he said quietly, then go talk to him. The huddled figure was already dusted with white ten minutes later when Mom walked across the street and sat down beside him on the snowbank. What is it, Eric? You've been so good these last weeks, but I know something's been bothering you since we first started the manger. Can you tell me, honey? Aw, Mom, don't you see? He sniffled. I tried so hard, but I can't do it anymore. And now I'm going to wreck Christmas for everyone. With that, he burst into sobs and threw himself into Mom's arms. "'But I don't understand,' Mom said, brushing the tears from his face. "'What can't you do? "'And how could you possibly spoil Christmas for us?' "'Mom,' the little boy choked, "'you just don't know. "'I got Kelly's name at all four times. "'I can't do one more nice thing for her or I'll die. "'I tried, Mom. "'I really did. "'I snug into her room every night and I fixed her bed. "'I even laid out her crummy nightgown "'and one day I let her use my race car, "'but she smashed it right into the wall like always.' I tried to be nice to her mom, even when she saw that crib leg was too short and called me a dummy for it later. I didn't hit her. And every week when we picked new names, I thought it would be over. But tonight, when I got her name again, I knew I couldn't do one more nice thing for her mom. I just can't. If I try, I'll probably punch her instead. And tomorrow's Christmas Eve. If I beat up Kelly, I'll spoil Christmas for everybody, just when we're ready to put baby Jesus in the crib. Don't you see why I had to leave? They sat together quietly for a few minutes, mom's arms around Eric's shoulders. Finally, Mom's box spoke softly, Eric, I'm so proud of you. Every good thing you did should count double because it was especially hard for you to be nice to Kelly for so long. You gave your love when it wasn't easy to give. Maybe that's what the spirit of Christmas is really all about. You're the one who's probably added the most important straws to the crib, and you can be proud of yourself. Now, how would you like a chance to earn a few easy straws like the rest of us? I still have the name I picked tonight in my pocket, and I haven't looked at it yet. Why don't we switch just for the last day? It'll be our secret. That's not cheating? It's not cheating, Mom smiled, and she took the slip of paper from her pocket and handed it to him. Together, they dried the tears, brushed off the snow, and walked back to the house. The next day, the whole family was busy cooking and straightening up the house for Christmas Day, wrapping last-minute presents, and trying hard to keep from bursting with excitement. But even with all the activity and eagerness, a flurry of new straws piled up in the manger. And by nightfall, it was almost overflowing. At different times, while passing by, each member of the family, big and small, would pause and look at the wonderful pile for a moment, then smile before going on. At last, it was almost time for the tiny crib to be used. But who could really know? One straw might still make a difference. For that very reason, just before bedtime, Mom tiptoed quietly to Kelly's room to lay out the little blue nightgown and turn down the bed. But she stopped in the doorway, surprised. Someone had already been there. The nightgown was laid neatly across the bed, and a small red race car rested next to it on the pillow. The last straw was Eric's, after all.
0: The Great Walled Country by Raymond MacDonald Alden Away at the north end of the world, farther than men have ever gone with their ships or their sleds, is a land filled with children. It's filled with children because nobody who lives there ever grows up. The king and queen, the princes and courtiers may be as old as you please, but they are children for all that. They play a great deal of the time with dolls and tin soldiers, and every night at seven o'clock have a bowl of bread and milk and go to bed. There are all sorts of curious things about the way they live in the Great Walled Country. But this is the story of their Christmas season. One can imagine what a fine thing their Christmas must be so near the North Pole, with ice and snow everywhere. But this is not all. Grandfather Christmas lives just on the north side of the country, so that his house leans against the Great Wall and would tip over it if it were not for its support. Grandfather Christmas is his name in the Great Walled Country. No doubt we would call him Santa Claus here. At any rate, he is the same person, and best of all the children in the world, he loves the children behind the Great Wall of Ice. One very pleasant thing about having Grandfather Christmas for a neighbor is that in the Great Walled Country, they never have to buy their Christmas presents. Every year on the day before Christmas, before he makes up his bundles for the rest of the world, Grandfather Christmas goes into a great forest of Christmas trees that grows just back of the homes and fills the trees with candy and books and toys and all sorts of good things. So when night comes, all the children wrap up snugly, and they go into the forest to gather gifts for their friends. Each one goes by himself so that none of his friends can see what he has gathered, and no one ever thinks of such a thing as taking a present for himself. The forest is so big that there is room for all the people, and no one sees the secrets and presents and there are always enough nice things to go around. But there was once a time so many years ago that they would have forgotten about it if the story were not written in their big book and read to them every year, when children in the great walled country had a very strange Christmas. There came a visitor to the land. He was an old man and was the first stranger for many years who had succeeded in getting over the wall. When this old man inquired about their Christmas celebration, and was told how they carried it out every year, he said to the king, "'That is very well, but I should think that children who have Grandfather Christmas for a neighbor could find a better and easier way. You tell me you all go out on Christmas Eve to gather presents to give to one another the next morning? Why take so much trouble, and act in such a roundabout way? Why not go out together, and everyone get his own present?' That would save the trouble of dividing them again, and everyone could pick out just what he wanted for himself. They decided it was a very practical idea, and so the proclamation was made, and the plan seemed as wise to the children of the country as it had to the king and his counselors. Everyone at some time had been a little disappointed with his Christmas gifts, and now there would be no danger of that. On Christmas Eve they always had a meeting at the palace and sang carols until the time for the going to the forest. When the clock struck ten, everyone said, "'I wish you a merry Christmas!' to the person nearest him, and then they separated to go on their way to the forest. On this particular night it seemed to the king that the music was not quite so merry as usual, and that when the children spoke to one another, their eyes did not shine as gladly as he had noticed them in other years. But there could be no reason for this, since everyone was expecting a better time than usual. So he thought no more of it. There was only one other person at the palace that night who was not pleased with the proclamation of the Christmas gifts. This was a little boy named Inge, who lived not far from the palace with his sister. Now this sister was a cripple and had to sit all day looking out of the window from her chair, and Inge took care of her and tried to make her life happy from morning to night. He had always gone to the forest on Christmas Eve, and returned with his arms and pockets full of pretty things for his sister, which would keep her amused all the coming year. And although she was not able to go after presents for her brother, he did not mind at all, especially as he had other friends who never forgot to divide their good things with him. But now, as Inge said to himself, what would his sister do? For the king had ordered that no one should gather presents except for himself— or any more than he could carry away at once. All of Inge's friends were busy planning what they would pick for themselves, but the poor crippled child could not go a step toward the forest. After thinking about it for a long time, Inge decided that it would not be wrong if, instead of taking gifts for himself, he took them all together for his sister. This he would be very glad to do, for what did a boy who could run about and play in the snow care for presents, compared with a little girl who could only sit still and watch others having a good time? Inge did not ask the advice of anyone, for he was a little afraid others would tell him not to do it, but he silently made up his mind not to obey the proclamation. And now the chimes had struck ten, and the children were making their way toward the forest, in starlight that was so bright it almost showed their shadows on the sparkling snow. As soon as they came to the edge of the forest, they separated, each one going by himself in the old way, though now there was really no reason why they should have to secrets from one another. Ten minutes later, if you had been in the forest, you might have seen the children standing in dismay with tears on their faces and exclaiming that they had never seen such a Christmas Eve before, for as they looked eagerly about them to the low bending branches of the evergreen trees, they saw nothing hanging from them, that they had seen other Christmas Eves. No presents! No one could guess whether Grandfather Christmas had forgotten them, or whether some dreadful accident had kept him away. As the children were trooping out of the forest, after hours of weary searching, some of them came upon little Inge, who carried over his shoulder a bag that seemed to be full to overflowing. When he saw them looking at him, he cried, "'Are they not beautiful things?' I THINK GRANDFATHER CHRISTMAS WAS NEVER SO GOOD TO US BEFORE. WHY, WHAT DO YOU MEAN? CRIED THE CHILDREN. THERE ARE NO PRESENTS IN THE FOREST. NO PRESENTS, INCH SAID. I HAVE A BAG FULL OF THEM. BUT HE DID NOT OFFER TO SHOW THEM, BECAUSE HE DID NOT WANT THE CHILDREN TO SEE THAT THEY WERE REALLY ALL FOR HIS SISTER INSTEAD OF HIM. THEN THE CHILDREN BEGGED HIM TO TELL IN WHAT PART OF THE FOREST HE HAD FOUND HIS PRESENTS. AND HE TURNED BACK AND POINTED THEM TO THE PLACE WHERE HE HAD BEEN. "'I left many more behind than I brought away,' he said. "'There they are. "'I can see some of the things shining on the trees, "'even from here.' "'But when the children followed his footsteps in the snow "'to the place where he had been, "'they still saw nothing on the trees, "'and thought that Inch must be walking in his sleep "'and dreaming that he had found presents. "'Perhaps he had filled his bag with the cones "'from the evergreen trees. "'On Christmas Day there was sadness "'all through the great walled country.' But those who came to the house of Inge and his sister saw plenty of books and dolls and beautiful toys piled up about the little cripple's chair, and when they asked where those things came from and were told, why from the Christmas tree forest, and they shook their heads, not knowing what it meant. The king held a council and appointed a committee to go on a very hard journey to visit Grandfather Christmas and see if they could find out what was the matter. They had to go down Father Christmas's chimney and when they reached the bottom of it, they found themselves in the very room where Grandfather Christmas lay sound asleep. It was very difficult to wake him, but when they finally did, the prince, who was in charge of the committee, said, "'Oh, sir, we have come from the king of the great walled country, who has sent us to ask why you forgot us this Christmas, and left no presents in the forest.' "'No presents?' said Grandfather Christmas. "'I never forgot anything. The presents were there.' "'You did not see them, that's all.' The children told him they had searched long and hard and found nothing. "'Indeed,' said Grandfather Christmas. "'And did little Inge, the boy with the crippled sister, find none?' The committee had heard about that and didn't know what to say. "'The presents were there, but they were not intended for children who were looking only for themselves. I'm not surprised that you could not see them. Remember,' that not everything that wise travelers tell you is wise. The proclamation was made next year that everyone was to seek gifts for others. The end.